Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, today I'm here with Mern from Hello. Singapore. Wanted to thank you for like being a producer out of Asia. I've literally oh. lived my whole life in Hong Kong and yeah. there's no one from Hong Kong. So mm. I was like super excited that even from Singapore I kind of like treat you as like right. a brother sister <laughs> country. So this we're is like really awesome. Yeah, we're same basically the, the same. Yeah. So you were born there, right? I was born and raised there. I went to went to public school there. Yeah. Just pretty much lived all my 22 years yeah. there. Were your much. parents born there as well? Yeah. They were born and raised. My mother was from Malaysia. My grandparents were from China. Oh. They were immigrants that moved to Singapore. Yeah, for, I guess, business, right? Back for, then, yeah, like, I mean, Singapore back then, was I don't super, think there were, like, there were a lot of business, apart from, like, economy. selling fish. So, yeah. that was probably what they were doing. How would you describe yourself, like, back then when you were younger? Um, I mean, I, I don't have any frame of reference. I mean, I grew up very local. Uh, I didn't have a lot of international exposure. I was just... You know, like in, in Asian culture, I know you grew up in Hong Kong, yeah. right? so it's, it's a lot of focus on studying, getting rich, settling down, having a family, you know, like really good life goals like that. So all my life was just centered around goals, just like that. Yeah. But then what were you like into? So like before the whole music thing? Oh, wow. I've like done maybe a bunch teenage of years. I mean, I was in, I was in a orchestral band yeah. with the trombone. I was in Singapore's national rowing team. Damn! So I did a little bit of exercise now and then. How was even the is the rowing scene even big there? It's like oh yeah, yeah, we have uh, people qualifying for the Olympics. No way! I yeah, had no but, idea about this. Yeah, and uh, I was only 17 when I joined, so I was pretty much the youngest member on the team. Yeah. And the coach would always pair me up with um, like these like 25, 26 year old girls, <laughs> and they were like full on rowers, so they were really good. And the coach just tells me, like, well, you are a guy, you have no reason to lose to girls. <laughs> and then I said, okay, yeah, bring it on. And every single time I would lose. And after a while, oh I'm my just God. like, you know what, let me just start a song yeah. or something. <laughs> but why even rowing? Like, did your parents tell you you should join? Like, do you know other people who were doing I was, rowing? I was completely retarded at ball sports. Um, <laughs> zero hand-eye coordination. So I got into a lot of, like, exercise-based sports. Just, like, swimming, yeah. track. Right. And growing was pretty fun because, you know, Singapore is super hot. Yeah. It's like right now. Right now it's like 90 degrees. Yeah. Singapore is like that year round. And if you're rowing, you can splash water in yourself and cool down. True. That's, yeah. It's like the fastest way. And was trombone something that your parents wanted to do, like pick up an instrument? Um, yeah, I, I loved music when I was young. My parents would always put on a lot of old disco records. Um, and I grew up with the usual Chinese shit, like Jay Chow, <laughs> Sefi Sun. All local heroes. Is that what and your like friends were listening to at the time? Yeah. 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 But we had a fair bit of pop culture as well. We had we had a lot of punk rock. We had a lot of emo bands. I mean, I think the whole world was part of that wave. Yeah. But Singapore, yeah, that was that was the pop music at the time, and alongside the the very Chinese mandopop pop stuff. I was I was hella ugly as a kid. I still <laughs> am. But. I, so what I would do, I was think like, you know, if I'm ugly, at least I'm, I'm going to try to be funny. 
So I would stay home a lot, read joke books <laughs> all the time. So I could impress my friends and whatnot. Did it help? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> I was a class clown. So oh. I didn't take studies that seriously. Yeah. So my parents would be like, you gotta stay in school, you gotta do this, you gotta eat your vegetables. And um, yeah, it worked out because I, I didn't really like studying when I was in the last two years of high school in Singapore. So that was when I got into whole, the whole SoundCloud stuff. Right. Uploading beats. Yeah. That was my first ever. And your parents, are they in like real estate or something? Yeah, they're, oh, you've read. <laughs> of course. Um, well, yeah, my mom does real estate, dad too. They've done a bunch of things in their life. They set up a health food business when they were really young. My dad's a bodybuilder. Oh, wow. He was a bodybuilder. He got like, he got a medal in some local competition. In yeah, that's like, intense. I don't feel like top, most yeah. Asians are bodybuilders, so no, that's kind no, of no. impressive. So he's just telling me he had to eat a bunch of potatoes and meat all day <laughs> and he would hate himself. Oh my god. And, uh, yeah, that's probably why I was into sports when I was young. Right, Because he would just push sense. me to do it. Yeah, but they didn't really push you academically in high school. Uh, of course they did. Uh, I, but you just didn't care. Well, I've disappointed them so many times. When I was when I was uh, 14, I said, okay, mom, I want to be, be a doctor. She's like, okay, great. The next year, I was like, okay, I want to be a journalist. And she's like, okay, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, after I was like, I want to be in real estate like you guys. And then they were happy. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I want to do music. So it's, you know, for an Asian parent, it's yeah. just a lot of heart attacks. But you're always into like some form of like journalism or like uh, yeah. politics, even like war stuff. Yeah, like, I'm, I didn't I'm, even get into that. I'm in college right now. I'm studying politics, uh, poli-sci. Yeah. And yeah, I really like it because... You know, being in Singapore is such an interesting place to study politics because no one just talks about it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes, behind like this huge curtain right. of self-censorship. And yeah, I think Singapore is one of the like it's the most one of the most economically developed countries. Yeah. But like in terms of politics and human rights, we're still so far behind. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting as a kid growing up. So I decided to study it. How did it even like occur to you to like all this politics stuff? I feel like people in like in America, I feel like it's way more like some something people yeah, talk about yeah, now, yeah. here. Not in Asia for sure, yeah. but I was totally against all kinds of. I was a I was a you know rebellious little kid. Yeah. I didn't like authority. Definitely did not like the military. So I was very against you know the status quo. Very against any kind of authority. And then naturally that will lead you into politics and like just understanding what yeah. kind of problems people have. Was it some subjects that you studied in like high school that you really liked? Like yeah. history or? Um, I did, of all the subjects in high school I studied, because in Singapore it's, it's really math and science based. Yeah. So for me, I didn't enjoy any, like any second of that. Um, I would only enjoy literature, English, those were my favorites, mm -hmm. like writing based subjects. What did you like so much about like literature? Um, basically, there were there were no calculators involved, so that was a, <laughs> that was a good selling point. Yeah. Um, um, and just reading reading was a big part of my life as well. Like in Singapore, we're full of a lot of public libraries. Yeah. Where people do everything; they just spend their whole day there, just um, eating or studying. Like studying is a big thing. Like studying random public places—that's very Singaporean concept. <laughs> And yeah, so I'll just spend all my time there because Singapore's hot, like this kind of hot. Yeah. And the only places with AC are shopping malls and libraries. Yeah. And you're, if you're a 14 year old kid, you probably don't have any cash to spend. <laughs> so you go to the library. And what was 
the turning point when you realized that you were like done with the whole classical music and you started being more influenced by like SoundCloud oh, or even right. just the very beginning of it? Uh, with yeah, with more contemporary forms. Yeah. Um, it was probably in when I was 15 or 16. I was tired of playing the same classical pieces, you know, with the same um, required way to play them, like you know, Chopin's or just classical composers. There's like only one way to play it. And so I just got into more alternative forms of still very contemporary music, like jazz, like blues, a lot of ragtime. Oh, okay. My favorite uh, composer is Scott Joplin. Cause, yeah. Because he died from syphilis, which means he was a badass. <laughs> and also, he was really good at syncopation and ragtime. But how did you even, like, did your friends show you more, like, electronic stuff, or...? Oh, electronic stuff. Um, I, I definitely got into that on my own. Um, I was listening to Avicii. <laughs> and a lot of, yeah. like, old dead mouse. Um, Daft Punk as well. Justice, yeah, Justice was a huge Oh, part. okay. So it was all just yourself, like, discovering it yeah. on, like, I guess this was before, like, SoundCloud then. Mm -hmm. There are no cool places in Singapore. Like, there are definitely now, but yeah. when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of places where people would hang out and share music. Yeah. You know, so it was really just self-discovery and just staying home with YouTube. Yeah. All the damn time. And was school something that like you want to do or did your parents kind of push you to you have to get a degree? Well, it was definitely option. Like, it was uh, optional. Like, really? I, They're so chill. No, no, as in there's a there's a caveat. Like if I didn't go to if I chose not to go to school, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. Oh, true. So I said, okay, yeah, maybe I would I don't want to be homeless yet. So I'm <laughs> yeah. still in college. I want to finish it. But I think it's really good to just have some routine in your life. Mm -hmm. Like being and music can get really, just really bad. Like you, you wake up at 3 p.m., you work all night, and you go out party all day. I think having something like a school or a job is really good because you value your downtime a lot more. Yeah. How on, like where were you at your career when you first started college? Like were you already putting a lot of stuff out? I was, um, yeah, right before I started college, I played my first ever festival show in Indonesia. It was oh. a Jakarta warehouse project. Damn. I was on the Matt Decent stage and I was opening for Cashmere Cat. So back Wait, then... Wait, so when you were 18? When I was, yeah, 19. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. right, no, when I was 20, because um, we had to go to the military for two years. So yeah. when I was out of the military, that was my first ever show. Uh, yeah. Actually, talk about the military, like... Oh, it's whack. Yeah, I've had some, like, Singaporean friends who've gone, like... Yeah. Most countries that have, you know, higher risk of war or conflict, like Israel, South Korea, um, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, they have mandatory conscription, like the army, right? So every able-bodied male or female at 18 has to serve for two or three years. And Singapore just had that when we were first starting out as a, as a form of self-defense. They basically said, okay, colonialism kind of sucked, uh, we can't depend on external armies, so we're going to have our own. So they did that, did that in 1965. Oh my we, gosh. We got independent. Mm -hmm. And yeah, basically it's, been, it's just been running ever since. It's like every yeah. able-bodied male at 18 will have to go to the army. Yeah. The only way to get out of it is if you go and study medicine. Oh. So you go straight to college, you graduate at 
You're like 24? Yeah. And then you serve your national service as yeah. a doctor in the oh. army. But what is it like, like day to day? What do you do? It's very boring because we're not at war with ISIS or anything like that. <laughs> we're based in Southeast Asia, so... Probably the worst threat, it's, it's like food yeah. poisoning from some shady yeah. ass street food. It's, it's more of a... Like a lot of people say it's a, it's a coming of age like boys to men. Mm. You know? But you don't need to yeah. go to the army. For, you don't need two years for yeah. that. Right? And was it mostly like training or did you like specialize it was in training. a certain field? Yeah, it was mostly training. I was attached to this uh, infantry unit, but I was doing just like a lot of... I was really lucky. I did a lot of paperwork, did a lot of IT stuff. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of... Um, that was something that you, you couldn't choose if we were just given yeah, the yeah, IT stuff. Yeah, yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but it was still with the unit. And we, we, there were trainings. You had to wake up at 6 a.m. 5 a.m. every day. Yeah. Go sleep like 10, 11. Damn. It's, it's very regimented. It's a lot of training. There are not a lot of... Um, like, you know, in well, in America, you go on tours to Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah. Like Vietnam or whatever poor Middle Eastern country you're trying to democratize. Yeah. In Singapore, it's a lot of peacekeeping operations. We work with, like, the East Timor crisis. We send people for peacekeeping, part of the UN regiment. For, um, I think we're doing something about ISIS. A little <laughs> bit. We probably have like three dudes, three poor yeah. dudes trying to help them out. During um, that time, did you like produce a lot? Like, since you were just I, like, I didn't have time. Oh, you didn't have time. Because I was in, for the first few months of my training, I was in army base for five days a week. So you only could come on the weekends. And sometimes your weekends would be gone, like, mysteriously. They would be like, okay, like, shock operation, gotta stay in, stay in base for this weekend. So you would burn yeah. your entire weekend and you'd stay Damn. in the same base for maybe 14 days. Yeah. It wasn't that bad though. So I, sometimes I had weekends off. So I would, I would go home on Friday night and I would just stay up and produce and work on music and just like try to learn things mm -hmm. all the way through Saturday, Sunday, just drink a bunch of coffee yeah. and get into camp on Monday and just crash. How do you just think, flat out yeah. Die. How do you think that experience changed the person you are now? It definitely made me love Singapore a lot less. <laughs> Why not? But, but also, it gives you a lot of discipline, mm -hmm. like to to realize that a lot of time is precious and can just be taken away from you, just like yeah. that. So you really have to be particular about who you spend your time with or what you do. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of my friends in the army, for example, they would they would have a whole week of training, so they'd be pretty tired. So on weekends. They would go out clubbing, they would go out trying to hook up with girls yeah. like, all the damn time. And they weren't doing they weren't doing anything productive for two years of their damn, lives. That's you know, crazy. So you graduate or you finish the army at twenty, your your peers from everywhere else in the world, they're like halfway through college, they have jobs, they're making money. Yeah. You know? So that put a lot of pressure on me because right. when I was doing my two years, it was just a lot of pressure because I had a lot of friends based in the U.S. Um, a lot of friends I made on Twitter, you know, Skype, mm -hmm. forums, and they were all trying to be producers, and they were all taking off because they had so much time to work. Oh. So that made me value my time a lot more. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then one of the first things we got was like resident DJ at a place. Was it like Vanity or something? Yeah, it was yeah. Vanity Sweet Twenty Six. How old were you Bang, when Bang. you started? Like, I was. DJing? 
probably 18, 19. I would do like non-paid gigs. Yeah. Uh, just for fun, just for exposure, just to practice. That made me a really good DJ though. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> saying, like, it, it's, it's very important for a lot of performers to put themselves in positions where you know, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Like some rich dude comes up to you like, okay, I want you to play this song, I'll give yeah. you a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> and I was a broke-ass broke kid then, so yeah. I would say sure. <laughs> it's, it's very important to be in control of a lot of different situations. Yeah. Like, that's helped me out playing shows, just having a lot of experience in like, top 40 clubs, like EDM hip-hop clubs, or just really like chill bars. Yeah. It's like knowing how to read the crowd, knowing how to just get everyone a good time, you know? Yeah. And your parents were like supportive of you DJing these clubs when you were 18? Yeah, they, they were. For a long time they wouldn't understand what I was doing. Yeah. Because I was, I would only play the piano, right? No other instruments. So when I, when I would tell them I was performing, they would be like, what, are, okay, are you playing in a band? Are you singing? <laughs> in a band. I'd say, no dad, I'm DJing. I'd say, oh, what's that? <laughs> and they wouldn't understand, but now they do, and they're super supportive. Wow. I really struck lottery with, like, Asian parents. Yeah, I know for a lot sure. Of, I'm lo I know a lot of my friends, they're, they're in law, they're in economics. And their parents are still angry. They're like, why aren't you in medicine? You know, <laughs> aren't stuff you like that. <laughs> oh my god. And then how did you, what do you think like, made you get like recognized in the Singapore community at first? At first, um, I think it wasn't until I was getting attention from America and overseas. Really? Yeah, uh, the way a lot of Asian cultures consume cultures. They don't create it, they just consume it, import it yeah. from overseas. Because yeah. we don't have the same creative structures like Hollywood in, you know, Hollywood in Los Angeles mm -hmm. to, to make like, to just have the right proportion of, you know, creatives and institutions like, you know, studios, yeah. clubs to really grow a scene. Mm -hmm. So you really have to get recognized somewhere else before right. you make it in Singapore. Yeah. And also, you know, comparatively, Singapore is so much smaller in terms of population. Yeah. Do you think it was like a huge con like constraint for you being in like Singapore? Did you ever think like, oh, I could never like make it out of here or? Oh, no, I'm kind of grateful because now everyone knows me as, you know, the goofy DJ dude from Singapore. Yeah. Like the only... DJ guy yeah, that's like what sets you apart from like everyone. I guess, everyone. yeah, and, and I'm really grateful for that, you know. Um, if I were from like, you know, Orange County or if I grew up in LA, yeah, there'd be nothing to set me apart. Yeah. Like, or very little. And I think growing up in Singapore was great because I was alone all the time. So if I wanted a song done, it had to be me. I couldn't hop over to like yeah. a collaborator's place and like say, hey, let's write this song today. Or yeah. Let's, let's jam out. It was always just me, the internet, and just a lot of practice. Yeah. How were you able to get her name out there like initially? Oh, it's SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud definitely helped a lot of young kids. Yeah. Um, definitely helped with name recognition, and also just talking to other people on SoundCloud. Like back when the SoundCloud messaging messaging function wasn't total cancer. <laughs> it was it was a great way for me to talk to DJs, talk yeah. to like bigger people. They like trade demos or songs, right. and that helped me out, just like forming relationships. Because that was pretty early on. Yeah, and, like yeah. you guys like, I guess you're all in the whole scene of like reposting and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That was before reposting. That was you, before? You could only, like, favorite tracks. Oh. Yeah. But you didn't get, like, blogs to, like, show your stuff, oh, did you? Blogs oh, were, blogs were the main way. Oh. Blogs were the, were the, you know, repost hubs of that time. Did they reach out to you, or did you also do some, like, submission? No, you definitely had to. I, I had probably wrote, like, a thousand emails that didn't get answered. Damn. Um, it's, it's all part of the... Yeah. Yeah, it's all part of the process. Yeah. Though. How did you even, like know like you didn't even have like a mentor to help you like how did you even know like what to do from um i know my manager adam for a while like four oh, years okay and before that i was producing with another friend of mine um he was he was from orange county i think he was from california he came to singapore to work but he was also a dj so i learned a lot of uh, djing you know tips and tricks from him right he's a real crate digger and uh producing a little bit as well yeah so i was lucky yeah sure. And was Mad Decent the first people who like got like most of the attention? Like they were the first major label, yeah. like, the big, big label to actually reach out and try to do something with someone from Singapore. Yeah, were you like surprised? Like what was? I, was, I thought your it head? was spam mail. Dude. I, I'm <laughs> like, who, who, Mad Decent doesn't email people. You got a no diplo or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when they when the conversation started, I I didn't. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I didn't even reply for like two days, two, mm -hmm. three days, until he hit me, me again. Oh, wow. I said, okay, this guy's legit. And then that's what really started. Yeah. How do you think that they've helped you to be like the artist you are now? Um, they've, they've released music of mine that's really non-Mad Decent. Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't expect Mad Decent to put out a record like that, but they did. And that just gave me a lot of confidence to, to say like, okay, you're on the right path. Just keep doing what you do. Like just keep working harder. And yeah, that's that's really yeah. just it's a, it's a reinforcement of what people think of you. Yeah. Were you ever like not like cuz you didn't really have much experience with like labels before, right? Were you like nah. ever unsure of like is this the right thing to do? What am I supposed to do in this relationship? What are you I've supposed to do? I definitely yeah, with terms of um, labels and institutions like that. I haven't had a lot of experience in Singapore with that. Mm -hmm. So I've definitely signed a bunch of shady deals or bad contracts. Mm -hmm. It's all part of the process to learn. Yeah. And Adam was helping me out. Oh, okay. Well. Was it in some of the songs that you sent to Mad Decent, you had like your girlfriend sing on them or something? Yeah, I had my then girlfriend sing it at the time. It was really ghetto, just recording straight in my room, like no vocal booth, no filter. It just, yeah. Okay, I got a mic, yeah. I got a laptop, sing. And uh, it turned out okay. And so you had people like around you who collaborated like from the onset, like in Singapore? Um, not really. I mean, right now I am working with a lot of guys from... Oh, this guy uh, from Universal. His name is General Bones. He okay. really... He's like the best, one of the best vocalists I know. Like, I would just lay down uh, a piano line and he just drop all these like, million dollar hooks. <laughs> that's that's what's Damn. getting me inspired right now. Right, just working with a lot of non-producers, yeah, like sessionists or guitarists, yeah, or, you know, singers, some something that doesn't overlap with your skill set. Actually, was that difficult for you to jump from like being like a bedroom producer to like now studios and knowing how to work with like singers on songwriting and stuff? Oh no, it's it's a very natural process. For oh me. yeah, just get to know the person first because I don't want it to be too transactional. Yeah, I mean, music is still very human. It's, it's not all numbers, not all Spotify playlists. It's still very human-to-human -human interaction. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important for writing good music. Yeah. 
How do you think you've grown as a person since the early stages? Um, I've definitely taken things a lot less seriously too. Yeah? You not know, to be so tied up about everything. And, you know, music is still music. You still have to have fun. You still have fun with friends. Like yesterday, I did a show at um, Space Yacht. And I just hit up all my homies like, hey, I'm in town. Do you want to come on? Just like fool around the decks. Yeah. And so there was a... There was Josh Pan, there was oh, Luca, Luca Lush, there yeah. was Yatep, there was Jackal, there was Yuki. Just all just messing around, just having a good time. Yeah. That's what's important about music. How do you think your music has changed since the very first songs that you've put out? Huh, well, I listen now, I listen to a lot more than Avicii. Yes, <laughs> sir. So, yeah, it's. I've really discovered so many subgenres of music and communities I didn't know existed. Mm. Like the whole SoundCloud rap um, community, that was very new for me. Like growing up in Singapore, an Asian country, like rap's not a huge thing at all, right? And everyone that listens to rap are posers and like losers. <laughs> so discovering like small communities like that, or the you know like the punk rock community is still very big in LA. Yeah, that's really just opened my opened my eyes to just how big the music world is and mm -hmm. that there's always space for somebody. Yeah. Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, for just being the guy that knows it's, it's, it's not supposed to be serious. Mm -hmm. Like you still have to have fun, just live life, just do, if you, if you want to do something, just put your mind to it and you can do it. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And also no drugs. <laughs> The ending, oh my god. Thanks. Bye!